Mr. Down to Dungeon. Mr. Yeah. Um, Mr. Pete. Mr. Pete. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. <laughs> I'm the word. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's, 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 it's a real one. I don't use it. But it's <laughs> not real. in your vocab? Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are a part of CLNS Media, which we're really thankful for. This will be our second show with them. We're also on DailyThunder.com and featured on Dash Radio, 5 o'clock Central Standard Time. This show is brought to you by my good friend, Grady Carter of Metro Brokers of Oklahoma. Grady wants to be your homeboy, and you can contact him if you're needing to buy or sell your house homeboyok.com, homeboyok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Grady is just the best. He's a D, he's a GRI designee, which means that he knows everything that you need to know about getting into the home of your dreams or selling your home. He knows the Oklahoma City market very, very well. So please contact him via social media, through his website, uh, through email. He's just the best. You will walk away with a great price on your home to sell. The home of your dreams, but also you'll walk away with a friend because Grady is just that kind of guy. Contact him today. With me today is my very good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Hello. 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 Uh, Alex is joining us from Portland, Oregon. Uh, What up? My quest right now is to get all my friends on my podcast, and Alex is one of those. So uh, glad to have you. The Thunder currently, they're 24 and 20. Uh, according to basketball reference, they're 12th in offense, third in defense. Uh, they beat a really, really, really bad Kings team. Uh, they didn't look good doing it. Uh, the second half was fine. The third quarter, they actually showed up and played. But the first ca- the first half was just embarrassing. Uh, and all this done without Andre Robertson. And how, I mean, Alex, frankly, how in the world did they beat the Kings without Andre Robertson? I don't know. That's a wonderful question, Andrew. <laughs> uh, it is weird, though, when the Thunder play these bad teams. You know, I, I knew going in that the Kings were bad. You know, I can look at the standings and I can you know read a few stories about them. But then when they play these bad teams, I'm like, hey, maybe these Kings are underrated. (laughs) They don't don't look too bad. (laughs) They've got a few players out there. Yeah, it's it's just it's weird. I mean, they if you just go back and watch them in that first half, I mean, it's just a it's a true lack of effort that they're putting forth. And I just don't get it. I mean, they they've done this a lot this season where they just show up, think they can just beat these teams without putting forth any effort and then they end up getting beat and then i got carmelo said after half that you know we decided to stop that (laughs) what does that even mean like what like why did why didn't you decide to stop that you know the other 20 times this season that you were playing terribly like i just it's it's a weird this is a weird team this is just a weird team it is it's like they think they're the like early two thousands Lakers, but they just they they didn't do any of the stuff before, right? Like they they haven't proven anything yet, but they're just kind of like, yeah, we're gonna follow that model. 
that worked really well for them. Although you, I don't know if you listened to the low post yesterday. I did with yeah. Bill Simmons. Yeah, I, I did think it was interesting. Now I don't know if this really applies to the Thunder, but he was talking about how Bill Simmons was saying that you know there there have been these teams in the past that kind of coast through the regular season. And the ones that are able to do that and flip the switch are the ones that have a really good defense. Yeah. And cause, cause he was using it to talk about the Cavs. He was like, you know, even if they do switch it on, it's like, not, they're not going to suddenly become a top 10 defense. Whereas like you could at least imagine because they already are, but you could imagine if the Thunder are ever able to flip a switch in the playoffs, at least, you know, they have this base of a really good defense. Yeah. And I feel like they kind of have flipped a switch playing good teams and playing really good teams yes <laughs> playing like playing, somewhat good teams still no right playing great teams yes. yeah playing teams like the blazers no <laughs> yeah yeah that was embarrassing they play the lakers tonight they have absolutely stomped the lakers like the past few years uh and they killed them in la uh about a, two weeks ago uh what are, I still have very much a lot of apprehension heading into a game like this, uh, thinking that the Thunder are just going to let the Lakers hang around. Lonzo Ball is supposed to play tonight. Uh, I don't know. Like they should stop this team. Like we should be able to look at the schedule and say, "Oh, let's see, uh, Lakers at home, they should stomp them. Brooklyn at home, they should stomp them." You know, but you right. you can't. Like you just you don't know what to expect night in night out. Yeah, although I do feel like maybe the Lakers are one of those random teams that just because of the name and like the Paul George stuff that they're always going to get up for this game. Mm-hmm. So maybe that'll be the case. You know, going into the Portland game, I I was I like had written out the tweet. I was like, I'm feeling the type of game that it's going to make me forget that they just lost to the Suns. Like I really thought they were just going to come out because mm-hmm. I thought, you know, the Portland's right with them in the standings. Like this is a Western conference opponent. That's pretty good. Like, yeah, they're going to get up for this one. And then I saw that Dame was out and I was like, Oh no, right. oh, no. I did not send that tweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think maybe the Lakers are one of those teams that just because of the history and the name and everything going on, they, I think they'll get up for it. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling way too confident and optimistic <laughs> about tonight's game. It's not a good feeling to have if you're a Thunder fan. You know, uh, that, that feeling accompanies huge letdowns later. I know it does. I'm really interested in the game on Saturday at the Cavs. Yeah, because the Cavs aren't good, but they are still the Cavs, mm-hmm. and so you would think that there's an opportunity there for. OKC to you know perhaps like beat them pretty handily. Don't say that. I I know, but I'm trying to figure out this weird team, and I'm doing yeah. all the I'm doing all the algorithms in my head. It's, I'm saying it, it'd be a good Paul George game. Like if Paul George could go out there and defend LeBron really well, like right. as as well as you can defend LeBron, and then you know have like a statement you know offensive game. And Paul George, like, he wants this big stage. He wants everyone to see him. And you're getting the Saturday afternoon ABC game. Like, this is your chance. Like, show us. See, that, that, that all of that makes me excited. But then the very next game, Brooklyn, I feel terrible. I'm back to feeling terrible. Right. <laughs> Brooklyn at home, that would be such an – I know what's going to happen. They're going to beat the Cavs, and they're going to beat them handily. <laughs> then they're going to come home and lose to the Nets. <laughs> Yeah, By like four points. I see a five-game losing streak in here: Brooklyn, <laughs> Washington, Detroit, Philly, Washington. 
Yes. Oh, that looks terrible. <laughs> uh, I want to hear your Robertson take. You've been very uh, vocal with your tweets about That's it. That's about, it. about Andre <laughs> Robertson and the Thunder. Uh, what's your What's your Robertson take? First of all, it's never been anti Robertson. Right. Okay? Right. Yeah. I I I would definitely say that this stretch has made me more appreciative of what Robertson brings to this team. I agree with all of that. I I think that you could make the case that this shows you how important he is to this team long term. My only point is that a team like the Thunder, who has so much talent, I still believe they have a lot of talent. And in fact, we're going to talk about benches later. I'm actually feeling a little bit better about their bench, too. Mm -hmm. I feel like a team with that much talent should be able to find ways to win. Just just because, I mean, you look around at the league. I mean, look at what Miami does. Like they're constant guys are just like dropping dead and Spolster just like figures it out. You know, like we, we've seen good teams handle big injuries well. And obviously the, the, the obvious one is the Spurs, which obviously I know I get it. It's the Spurs. It's pop. He's like the exclusion or the exception to the rule. But. My issue with like how they played recently is not about Robertson not being there. It's more just how they've responded, how they've adjusted. I just feel like they should have won a few more of these games and they had an opportunity to kind of continue what was going on in the middle of December. And maybe they're getting back there. We'll see. Um, because now you look at their schedule or you look at their record 24 and 20. Like if I just like forgot the last week, that's like fine. And they obviously their fundamentals are pretty good. But yeah, I just, I just, I, 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 those the last two games against Charlotte and Sacramento, like I didn't feel great about those wins. And there's so many wins like that in that season, in the season outside of like the middle of December, middle of December, like those were great wins, most of them. Like, and I felt really good about those. But yeah, I, I think just the biggest thing is that the drop off from Robertson to Ferguson is maybe the biggest in the league from two guard to two guard. It is, but but that's like, why are they playing Houston? Have you looked at these on-off numbers since Robertson's been out? I have. It's not good. <laughs> no, but Josh Houston is a plus 12.9 in the last seven games when Robertson's out. Everything about the way the Thunder have handled Houston has been weird. Like it is weird. Every single thing about it. And it's not, to me, It's it goes beyond what he's doing on the court. It's not what he's doing in practice. It's not what's going on on the court. It's something else. I can't, like, say what it is. But what, I, do you know what it is? You know what it is? Well, I've, I've heard some, I don't know for sure what it, I don't know for certain what it is, but I've heard some things that I can't say. Is it his dude? Is it because he's doing podcasts with Fred? <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. Like he is a one of the nicest. He is probably the nicest, most down to earth player in that locker room, like by far. Hmm. I don't. I honestly. I. I honestly don't get it. the The way that they, just the way they drafted him was weird. The way that they left him in the D League. The way that they didn't play him at all last season. Whenever you have your season of discovery, you don't play him at all. And then they don't pick up his fourth year. And then they decide to play him in big stretches. And then they don't play him. And then they start Ferguson. And it's weird. It's weird. I mean, that starting lineup with Houston 
is a has a positive net rating and with Ferguson it's like the bottom has dropped out like they're awful and I, it's not all Ferguson I think that these players like Paul George and Mello have not had a good stretch either since Dre has been out like those guys have not been good save for the LA back-to-back like those two have not been very good yeah it's just I can't believe for a team and a coach that likes stability, you know, like they never want to change the starting lineup. It would just, it made so much sense because Houston is such, if you look at their bench guys that they have, he's the closest analog to mm-hmm. Robertson. Mm-hmm. And so like, why not just plug him in and you could keep everything else the same. You could keep doing what you were doing and just see how it works. And yeah, I, I don't get it, but they really, the entire organization loves Terrence Ferguson. Like they really do. And as you know, I don't really get it, especially now. I don't get it. Like you see flashes. Awesome. Very cool. Let him flash that in the D league this season, get his confidence up. I I just, I I just still don't see a way that you can play him in the playoffs and be a positive impact player. Uh, I just don't see it. Like he's just too skinny. He still is too jumpy. He's made some. He's had some fantastic highlight plays. That dunk or the the dunks that he had in L.A. Wow, awesome. His three point shooting has been a little bit. I mean, on the season, it's been really bad. But over this stretch, I think he's like thirty four percent from three. Uh, great. Like we'll we'll take that. Like the Thunder will take thirty four, thirty five percent from three from any of their wings. Uh, and he had that block on Costa Kufas, which was like, wow, like that was really impressive. Like he's, he's got the athleticism, he's got like the highlight stuff, but overall he's a negative player to this team. And I just don't see that turning around by playoff time. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I guess Robertson's going to be back relatively soon. Um, so I, I don't expect them to make any changes, but yeah, it just seems like there might be something there with Eustace, but <laughs> that's I feel like that's going to be the story of his career in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I, if I'm Josh, I guess I'd go to Atlanta or I'd go to Brooklyn, like go to the Jazz, like go to a team that is going to use you correctly and take like a one-year deal with them. And I think that like he could make some real money, like mid-level exception type money. Uh, and the Thunder for whatever reason don't don't value him or they they don't want to pay the extra money it would take over the luxury tax to keep him uh but i think it's a mistake i just think that almost every step they've made with him has been a mistake you know playing singular over him all of last season that's a big mistake like they've just they compounded the singular mistake by sitting josh but Today's episode is brought to you by The Press. Go check out The Press located in the plaza. It's just a cool location. They've got wonderful food. Uh, it's a big restaurant, so if you're looking to take a big group somewhere, maybe you want to go watch the Thunder Game somewhere, The Press is a great place to do that. It's a good late-night bar. Uh, their food is just absolutely just ridiculous. They serve really they have great salads. They have good burgers. They've got buffalo mac and cheese that's just to die for. They've got so many good dishes. So go check out The Press today. They're in the Plaza District. Cool place, cool part of town, good place to go grab a drink or get dinner. So go check out the press today. Alex, you have a segment for us today. And mm-hmm. what, do you, what, do you, what do you want to call it? It involves uh, the, the Thunder Reddit page. Uh, 
for right now, it's being called uh, Real or Fake Reddit Take. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it rhymes. I feel like there could be a jingle there. Uh, maybe we can get Luke to uh, do some drops for us. For, for, the, for the <laughs> Yeah. Um, the idea uh, comes from a, uh, a no- another podcast I like called Your Kickstarter Sucks, where they will uh, present the other person with a Kickstarter idea and the person has to tell them if it was real or fake. So in this segment, I went on to the Thunder Reddit page, the subreddit, and I found some uh, Reddit posts and then I made up some of my own and I'm going to read them to you one after the other and you'll have to tell me if you think it is a real Reddit take or one that I made up. Okay. (laughs) Now, uh, for some of these, I did change some of the wording just so they all kind of sound like they're in my voice because I don't want to give anything away. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if this segment is going to work. Uh, but, hey, we're trying stuff, you know, okay. trying stuff. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Are you ready? I'm so ready. <clears throat> OK, so the first one. Posted on our thunder. So does T-Ferg start over Robertson when he returns? The post is, I know this may be unpopular, but Ferguson spreads the floor and can hit the three ball. Why not run Robertson with the second unit? Any thoughts? <sighs> That's got to be real. <laughs> that is real. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's actually a real take from luke in a text message <laughs> after the two la games he's like ferguson's gotta start <laughs> okay okay yeah i actually didn't check the date on that one but in light of recent events i was like whoa yeah well, that's a hot one there there were a lot of those takes after the two los angeles games i was like all right everybody slow down like we have evidence that he shoots 16 percent from three before these two games let's just let's catch our breath before we uh make any decisions like that right yeah i guess okay. to me the real question is does ferguson remain a key rotation player after robertson comes back like that's like i feel like abrinas has played better lately they may make a trade to bring in a wing. Like I could see a scenario where Ferguson starts all these games, Robertson comes back, and then he completely disappears. Yeah, and that would be so frustrating. <laughs> I could see it happening. This like, that's something that the Spurs have done too. Is that they'll bring this guy at the end of the bench to start games. He doesn't necessarily finish games, but they just bring him in as like this placeholder, and then throw him back to the end of the bench whenever they're healthy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, it's, it's weird. It, it, yeah, it would feel like a waste yeah. of the last two weeks, but okay, whatever. <laughs> um, all right, number two. Uh, the title of the post, Terrence Ferguson and Trey Young are the future of Thunder basketball. And then the post says, not sure how we get Trey, but just imagine having two elite Oklahoma boys playing for the Thunder. Oh my gosh! Oh, it feels real. That is also real. <laughs> it feels so real, man. These are going to be too easy. But no, keep like going, keep going, them. keep going. No, it's that's uh, Trey Young is awesome. I mean, I haven't, I've never watched this much OU basketball in my life. Like he is, he's that 
that fun. He's very, very good. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, I want to know what his hair is going to be doing. Like when he's a <laughs> professional, I just like want to know what he looks like when he's in the a, NBA. Yeah. Cause right now I just, I can't imagine him just looking at him in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any teams that you hope he goes to? I've got a couple. Uh, I like the idea. Uh, who are you talking? Oh, McKellay talking yeah. about Utah. Oh man. That- I-, I thought that was a good one. Um, I mean, Orlando is obvious, although I, I don't know that, that backcourt with him and Fournier, it's I mean, I, I like it, but I don't know if they'd be able to play any defense and they're, um, not, and they're not that good looking. <laughs> they are weird looking boys. Have you seen Fournier's hair? He's, he's losing his hair at a rapid rate right now. Really? From which uh, which direction? Like all over, it feels like. I was watching a little bit <laughs> it's just, last night. There's patches coming out? Yes, there are patches. <laughs> oh, yeah. Poor boy. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> um, okay, shall we keep going? Let's do it. Let's go. Um, okay, the post is, uh, why not try to play super small? And the question is, why hasn't Billy tried a lineup of Russ, Felton, Abrinas, George, and Patterson? Uh, that's fake, but it should be real. Man, <laughs> I, that was like the most boring one that I came up with. It's too, it's too reasonable. <laughs> okay. All right, next one. Uh, the post title is, it's time to give Singler an extended look with the starting lineup. Okay, hold, hold on one second. <laughs> Here's how I knew because if you go fake the first one, you don't want to go real the next one. You want to go fake, fake, real. And no, that's, <laughs> that's how that's how I knew. That's how I knew. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look up like the how how you actually trick someone. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Oh, on the on the show on the sh- on the your Kickstarter sex that I was listening to one time, <laughs> the guy did eight fakes in a row. <laughs> See. <laughs> Yeah. This is very confusing. Um, okay. Title post. It's time to give Singler an extended look with the starting lineup. Hear me out. The starting lineup has fallen off a cliff since Robertson went out, and Ferguson obviously isn't the answer yet. Why not give Kyle one more chance? He's shooting 40% from three on the season. Oh my God. He's bigger than Ferguson, and he wouldn't disrupt the good vibes the bench has right now. Why not try it? <sighs> fake yeah that's fake okay good <laughs> i was gonna say if that's real he shot five threes yeah yes see i didn't know if you would know that <laughs> oh i know i know everything there is to know about kyle <laughs> you can get all of these man including that kyle isn't a pretty awesome guy like legitimately a pretty awesome person <laughs> pretty cool dude he's no he's not cool um, <laughs> but he's like a good good dude <laughs> okay um, okay uh two more uh okay title of the post thinking about proposing at the next home game need advice hey guys i'm trying to get my girlfriend into watching the thunder we've been dating a few years now and have talked about marriage but i'm worried about marrying someone who doesn't really enjoy my main hobby I was thinking about proposing to her at the next Thunder home game in the hopes that it might kickstart her interest in basketball. What do you think? Real. 
Finally, that was fake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad that that's fake. I've never been so happy about being wrong about something. <laughs> yeah, I had really fun writing that one, just thinking about this guy who thinks that <laughs> proposing at the game is going to get his girlfriend really into the thunder. <laughs> Like it's going to force her because they always are going to have that memory now. This is our thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, another one. Uh, title of the post. Anyone else have a problem with falling asleep during the games? This is the first season where I've consistent. I've been consistently waking up not knowing the outcome of the game. Normally about midway through the third quarter, I'm out. Does anyone else fall asleep during games? <laughs> Uh, fake. That's real. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh man, that is funny. Yeah, I really like that one. I, I consistently fall asleep during television shows that Amy and I watch, but I don't ever fall asleep during Thunder Games. So that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I think that guy probably has just like a health problem that yeah. he needs to get checked out. <laughs> For me, it's just that I get up just just too early and trying to watch TV at night is just too difficult. Uh, it is. I, I can't. I can't watch anything at night anymore. Oh, I'm I'm out within like 15 minutes, and Amy's like trying to wake me up, like between commercials and stuff. I'm just like can't can't do it. Can't do this. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth it. Hundred <laughs> percent not worth it. Uh, let's go to our next segment. Uh, Alex, you're just you're just bringing the fire today. We've got this another new segment. Yeah. Yes, this week in Thunder history. So this week in Thunder history, I will be uh, going back into the Nizoke archives and finding a story that happened uh, this same week, but in Thunder past. And the whole idea for this was, you know, do you remember? Uh, well, okay, last week. <laughs> the fun conversation, which was uh, one of my favorite down to dunk segments oh, I've ever heard. I was so mad because I know you and I know Luke and I could hear that you were like genuinely mad at Luke <laughs> I, for I bringing have, it up. I've and honestly was, been so mad at Luke. <laughs> and it was great because if it had just been Luke, you probably could have killed it pretty quick. But for some reason, Taylor bought in like immediately. <laughs> Taylor does like, this. And then Jay, just because he's nice, like went along with it. And so all of a sudden you have three guys talking about whether the games were fun for like 10 minutes. So and it was great. It was, it was the I, – I don't know if – some of you maybe watched the Periscope feed, but I actually had to leave the room at one point. <laughs> like I literally threw down my mic and my headphones and I was gone. I was so mad. But – um you know, one thing that I do think is real is that these little, these little uh, like mini stretches within a season where we do like all our emotions go one way or the other, they tend to fade when you actually like look back on a season. Because mm -hmm. I was thinking about, um, you know, Katie's last year. You know, when you think back on that year, you think about, you know, beating the Spurs. You think about that crazy series against the Warriors. Yeah. You don't you don't really think about like how terrible that team was after the All-Star break. Like that that crazy lull that they went into. Right. When like we just we thought the sky was falling, you know, and that was not a fun time. But when looking back on that season, like two years out, that's, you know, just it seems like so meaningless. Right. It's like, man, I can't believe we spent so much energy 
like worrying about them at that time. Like that was like such a cool season in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going back, back into the archives to find like, what were people talking about at this random time? And this, this week we go back to the year 2010. Oh, can you remember anything? Do you have any, any, any guesses? You'll know instantly. But what were, what what was the big story in Thunderworld, January of two thousand ten? Uh, I'm trying to remember. They had so they had Harden. Westbrook, they did Durant. Yes. Um, this is two thousand ten. So, and this is actually a story from Darnell Mayberry from mm-hmm. January eighth, two thousand ten. Hmm. So I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you. I'm just reading maybe, like a snippet of it. Maybe something about like the Thunder took the wrong guy in the draft. I don't know. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Okay, uh, here we go. January eighth, two thousand ten. Darnell Mayberry. <laughs> Eric Maynard goes into oh. every game with a four-item checklist. A short, simple summation of what coaches expect of him when his number is called. Get guys shot, take care of the basketball, score when you need to, and defend, said Maynard, the rookie point guard who the Thunder acquired in a trade with Utah on December 22nd. So far, Maynard has made it all look easy. In eight games with Oklahoma City, Maynard has recorded 24 assists against six turnovers. Check and check. More importantly, though, Maynard has provided the Thunder with stability and long-term security at the position, two components that have eluded the franchise since current management took over in 2007. Over the past two and a half years, the Thunder franchise has run through eight backup point guards, first alternating Delonte West, Luke Ridenour, Earl Watson, and Mike Wilkes in Seattle, then trotting out Westbrook, Watson, Wilkes, Chucky Atkins, Kevin Ollie, and Sean Livingston throughout the past two years. But in Maynard, the Thunder now seems ready to stop the song in its game of musical chairs. Wow. <laughs> hey, I was a huge Eric Maynard fan back in the I day. I know, me too. He and was I, really I good. I found that and I was like, oh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> he was good. Until until he bled his knee, Like he was really, really good. Uh, and then once he lost that half step, like he was out of the league, just gone. Yeah. And what's crazy was- is that the Thunder hat did have Sean Livingston. Like he was... Oh, I know. He was yeah. like, this was his first stop in like his road to recovery um, for an NBA team. And, you know, he obviously has been a huge part of what the Warriors do. So it's it's just kind of crazy that the Thunder I, have given the Warriors two players. <laughs> and I'd forgotten because that trade was kind of interesting because the Jazz drafted Maynard number 20. So that was like mm-hmm. their first round pick from the previous summer. Yep. And then they trade him in December of that same year, like six months later to OKC just to get rid of Matt Harpering's contract. Um, they, they get back <laughs> Peter face, <laughs> Peter face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's, and that's, I've been trying to make this point that like Sam Presti did everything Sam Hinkie did, but just several years before, like that he was taking on bad contracts to bring in like either picks or players, you know, that are on rookie scale deals. Like Presti did all of this. He just was almost like too successful at it. Yeah. Um, because it ended up being detrimental because like you had all these guys coming up that needed like close to max level deals and you just can't keep them. And then like everything kind of, you just, you had to make so many decisions so quickly that I think it would, it was just a hard thing to do. Uh, where Hinky, 
Like he he made some good decisions, some not, and some of these guys have panned out and some have not, and it's all you can kind of see this all coming, you know, into place later on. Whereas the Thunder, you know, they just drafted the right guy over and over and over again, um, and he did like all these trades for picks, and I mean they had they yeah they took on Matt Harpring's deal. <laughs> Matt Harpring works for the Jazz and. I asked him, I was like, did you even put on a Thunder uniform? And he just looked at me like I was the devil when I asked him. That. I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, I, w- I just want to read you two more quotes. So these are from uh, the Utah GM at the time. Because uh-huh. uh, it saved Utah $10 million in tax. But his, it was Kevin O'Connor who would later go on to, to work at the ringer. Pretty uh-huh. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but these were his quotes. He said, uh, it's good for Oklahoma city because they get a good player and it's good for us because it allows us to address our financial situation. <laughs> like they were very upfront about what they were doing, <laughs> like getting rid of their first round pick. And then he said in the same article, the fact is we've got Duran. And then, <laughs> and then the Jazz would go on that year to be swept in the conference semifinals for zip to the Lakers. Mm. And then the following season, Jerry Sloan would retire and Darren Williams would be traded at the deadline. That's crazy. Well, and back yeah. then, like teams were like the, the trading of expiring contracts and big contracts like that. That was a thing where like, there were a lot of teams that had cap space, like the thunder and you could make deals like that. And it was always like, well, who's the expiring contract coming up and, it's just interesting how the league has evolved so much yeah um, over time uh that's good eric mayner he, mm, i love him. walk down memory lane loved him uh so our last segment we're going to uh talk about the 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 benches in the nba the the best nba benches and kind of talk about where the where are the thunder at in relation to those those good teams that have you know quality depth so uh, Alex, let's let's start at the top. Give me your give me your best NBA benches. And and to be clear, I'm <clears throat> we're only doing likely West playoff teams. Okay, yeah, to limit it, and so that means we we decided we had to cut off somewhere, so we cut it off at Portland. So there's nine teams. If you're really passionate about Utah's bench, I'm sorry. <laughs> they actually, they actually do have like a good bench when everyone's healthy, but I, I did not include them in this exercise. If you were to include them. Would they be toward the top for you? Uh, yeah, I probably would put them at either four or five. Yeah, yeah, especially um, when they had Tabo, and I, I hate the Tabo right went out, yeah. but like having him and Alec Burks and uh, Rodney Hood, and when they're when they're all healthy, Derek Favors, like that's that's a really quality bench, right? And uh, as as we go through these, one of the stats that I pulled out for each team is how many minutes has or like the what is the most played all bench unit Mm -hmm. because i think that's really interesting how many minutes that unit has played so number one i i think the warriors are pretty obvious um their net rating is the highest in the league they have the first uh, offensive rating and the 10th defensive rating among benches um you know, Andre Gudala, Nick Young, Omri Caspi, Jordan Bell has the well, actually Sean Livingston has the highest on off rating. He's plus fifteen point seven, then Jordan Bell is second at plus fourteen point nine. Wow. David David West is having a resurgence. Honestly, the only bench player on their team that's getting regular minutes that isn't playing well is Patrick McCaw. Mm-hmm. Um he's the only bench player without a positive on 
on-court net rating. Um, and, and, you know, for the Golden State, it's kind of obvious, but, you know, like there's a benefit to playing with so many superstars. You know, their most played all-bench unit has only played 24 minutes together. Right. Um, and even their most played four bench unit. So like four of the bench guys with one of the stars has only played 20 minutes. Hmm. So usually there's two of those main four guys on the court at all times. And these guys just don't have to do as much, you know, they get to have these very defined small roles and they don't, the the team doesn't have to rely on them for, you know, uh, putting up, you know, 15 points a game. Mm -hmm. I kind of like the Rockets bench a little bit better. Oh, well then guess what? I put the Spurs second. You did? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because so okay, so first of all, the the Rockets do have the better net rating. They are third overall mm-hmm. um, in the league. They have the second best offense or bench offense and the twelfth best bench defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like looking, and then okay for the Spurs, the Spurs are fifth in net rating, twelfth best uh, bench offense, fourth best bench defense looking at the kind of lineups here i just feel like so much of the rockets depth depends on eric gordon like if if he is not in there their bench drops off significantly mm-hmm. i mean they still have luke Mba mute and they have pj tucker and nene's out right now but he's actually been pretty good this year he had he has the highest on off rating he's plus 15.5 even though he's only playing like, four, like 15 minutes a game um, but I think Eric Gordon is so critical to what the Rockets do because he is that secondary ball handler when only one of Harden or Chris Paul is on the court. Yeah. Um, and then I compare that to like the Spurs and they just have all these dudes who like, I, you know, like removed from the Spurs. I don't know how serious I take them, but you know, Thomas Bertans, DeJounte Murray, Patty Mills, Manny Ginobili, Bryn Forbes, Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gay, like, it, there's just so much more depth there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so that's why I put them ahead of the Rockets, but I totally get the argument for the Rockets first. Yeah. To me, like a quality bench, really, I, I think you look at like the six, seven, eight guys, like how, like what, what are those guys bringing? Is there a guy that can be, that can fill it up like an Eric Gordon? Do you have other guys that can fill like big roles that you could possibly close games with uh, off your bench. Because I, I think that pretty much it's it's pretty close between like the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th guys. Like the, all those guys are pretty close around the league. I just think the Spurs just use those guys way better. I think that Pop just puts these guys in a position to succeed that, you know, a lot of other coaches just aren't good at that. And Pop is just like the master of that because i think you're i don't like does Bryn forbes does he play much for the thunder like i don't know right like i have have no clue you know we we know you know and joffrey like he's not playing that much for the spurs but oh let me tell you pop has not fixed joffrey that's (laughs) the the spurs are a negative 9.8 when he's on the uh, court he has the worst rating of all their bench players that makes sense don't feel bad about that loss yeah (laughs) Yeah, I and I get it. I think the system and the way that, you know, Pop gets these guys to defend and buy in and I mean, I think that the way that the Spurs play and you know, like we saw that firsthand, the the Spurs bench basically came in and played Oklahoma City and almost beat them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's they just 
Pop is just the best. Like he just is flat out the best. I don't think I know I a lot of people love Brad Stevens and I think that he's very, very good. Um but I don't think anybody can get to Pop's level. And uh, a few more points on those. So the Rockets most played all bench unit has only played fifteen minutes together. Yeah. Um and then I also want to tell you, oh, Gerald Green. So he's only been with the Rockets for about 10 games. Mm -hmm. He's averaging 8.2 three-point attempts per game and shooting 42% right now. Oh, I thought that was pretty wild. It's crazy that you can just grab a guy like that off the scrap heap that's playing basketball with his dog in his driveway, you know, midway through the season. I just don't know where where was everybody else on Gerald Green. I know, especially... When you listen to Bill Simmons yesterday talking about how like Gerald Green was like this huge leader for the Celtics last year and yeah. Brad Stevens wanted to bring him back but they just like didn't have any room for him. Yeah, that's really that's really weird. There must be some stories about Joe Green out there. Oh, I'm sure there are. I mean, <laughs> he has definitely had a weird career. Cuz I mean like the Thunder could use a wing that hit that hits threes and that takes a lot of them. Like they, they could use that guy that is, you know, passable on defense and hits threes. Like everybody's looking for that guy. And he was right. Just sitting at home. It's weird. Do you remember when he uh, blew that cupcake? I do. And then, I do. And then he, and then he dunked in his socks. <laughs> <laughs> He's an incredible leaper. He is. Um, okay. Number four, I'm going with the LA Clippers. Now I yeah. will admit that, the argument that I just gave for doing the Spurs over the Rockets, I'm now doing the Rockets argument because this is mostly based on the fact of Lou Williams. Like, if you have a borderline all-star player as, like, a bench guy, I mean, that's such uh, that's such a huge advantage if you're bringing that guy off the bench. Um, they are ninth overall in net rating. They have the 10th best bench defense and the 13th best bench defense or sorry 10th best bench offense but more importantly since january 1st they are second in the league in net rating for a bench um and their most played all bench unit has played 43 minutes and 32 minutes so and that's actually when we get to the thunder that's kind of in line with the thunder so and doc rivers has kind of had that reputation where he's more willing to play like a five-man bench unit Mm mm-hmm um, but their main bench guys are Sam Decker, Montrezl Harrell, Juwan Evans, Wes Johnson, and then Lou Williams. And if they had Pat Beverly, like I, I probably – I don't know. If they had Pat Beverly, I might even bump them up another spot because yeah. they would look a lot better. Just Lou Williams, having him, period, come off your bench. Exactly, yeah. He's just proven to be – like he can carry it all. And what do you need while your starters are sitting? You need points. Like you just – you need this – you need to stay afloat somehow, whether either you have a really elite defensive unit on the bench or you have guys that can make shots. Like you just need somebody that can come in and do that. And the Thunder really lack that. And I think they can be a good defensive unit at times, um, but they don't have like this go-to score. And I feel like they've been like the all bench units for the Thunder have done a pretty good job of keeping things afloat at times. Uh, but for whatever reason, they can't do the same with Paul George out there. But let's let's keep going. Uh, so next is where the, I put the Thunder. So I put okay. them fifth wow. out of these nine teams. Yeah, I know. I, I actually like feel better about the bench. That was like my main takeaway from this exercise is that I feel a lot better about OKC's bench after doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, honestly, is because some of these benches coming up are way worse than I thought. 
but so the the Thunder are twelfth overall net rating for benches. They have the sixteenth best bench offense and the eleventh best bench defense. Their starting lineup of the Thunder has played four hundred and forty minutes together. I'm just putting that out there because I'm going to come back to that with another team. But since January first, the Oklahoma City bench is third in net rating in the league. Wow. And yet there's I was looking through the stats and there's really not like any one stat that jumps out that they're like really awesome in like they're 24th in true shooting percentage during that same period. Um, and to be clear, this is the all bench lineup. Uh, yes, although see, that's what I don't know how they figure out net rating. I mean, it's because like some of these teams, I, th- I think it's based on all of those players just when they're on the court. OK. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Okay. I'm just, I'm just making sure that this doesn't include Paul George is basically what I'm saying. No, but I'll get to him in a second. Okay. Uh, so, so their two all bench units that have played a lot are Felton, Abrinas, Grant, Hustis, and Patterson. That's 46 minutes. They're a plus 6.2. And then Felton, Ferguson, Grant, Hustis, Patterson played 32 minutes and they're a plus 16. And uh, so, obviously, we all know the guys, Patrick Patterson, Raymond Felton, Jeremy Grant, Josh Hustis, Alex Sabrinas, Terrence Ferguson. We already talked about Josh Hustis during this period. He's a plus 12.9. For this season, he's a plus 6.8. He's second only to Robertson, who's a plus 7.3. Mm-hmm. And then Alex Sabrinas, our favorite, he's a plus 10.2 in the past five games without Robertson because he didn't play in a couple of those games. Right. Um, <laughs> But, he's been better. Uh, like he's just flat out. He's been better, and I don't know if it's because better. he's playing bad teams or what it nope, is. Because he's good. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a lot better, and the Thunder could really use a guy that can come in and hit threes. He hits. He's hit some big shots down the stretch of these uh, these couple, last couple games, and I know that the Thunder should kill these teams anyways. But to have a guy that can come in and hit threes, and then. I think he's been passable on defense too. He didn't foul everybody all the time. Uh, he seemed to be in position. Uh, it all just kind of makes me wonder about his health and about his knee. Like it just makes me wonder. Like has he been healthy? And I, I, I just I, I think that the answer is probably no. That he hasn't been a hundred percent this season. And um, you know he looks like he's rounding into shape. And I would. I would be a little surprised if they traded him, um, but also it just depends on what's out there, like what's available. Because um, I know that the Thunder, at least the front office, is really, really fond of him. Well, uh, I, I decided when I was watching that Kings game that, uh, speaking of fun again, how much <laughs> fun I have watching a Thunder game is directly related to how many threes Patrick Patterson and Alex Sabrinas hit combined because like at the end of that third quarter when Patterson hit had like the back-to-back threes yeah and then Abrinas hit the three at the beginning of the fourth I was like oh this is so much fun yeah loving this I totally forgot what happened earlier in the game well them being the players that we thought they would be going into the season like if they can continue this somehow like that is massive for this team because everyone thought like the Thunder bench is going to be those two and then Ray Felton and like if we can just get those three to play well, like who like who knows what we'll get from Jeremy Grant, who knows what we'll get from Josh, who knows like who we'll get from what we'll get from anybody else. But if those three can carry the bench, then the Thunder are gonna be in really good shape and 
it just had that hadn't been the case at all. Like the, both those guys have been kind of in and out of the rotation, and I think Felton has been good. I feel like he has been better than what we expected of him. He's, I mean, Jay is not the biggest fan of Felton's game because uh, he takes dumb shots sometimes. But like for a backup point guard, like he's been really, really good. Yeah. And and one more stat on uh, Paul George. So in these last seven games without Robertson, OKC is a plus 16.2 when Paul George is off the court. <laughs> and they're a negative five when he's on it. Wow. That is so weird. It has been, yeah. he has had such a weird stretch. Like I just, I don't, I don't understand it. And you know, the defensive stuff that he was doing earlier in the season when Robertson was healthy, you know, he, Robertson really put him in a position to succeed because he doesn't have to defend the best guys. He can kind of, you know, be the guy that's in passing lanes and yeah, it's, it's great. Like it fits really well. And I think that people maybe took that for granted for sure, because there was definitely a debate earlier as who's having the bigger defensive impact as a Paul George or Robertson. Well, I think it was hard to see at the time, but you can look back now and see that Robertson was putting everybody else in positions to be successful, including Steven Adams. And, you know, it's, I think his absence has really hurt Paul George and Adams quite a bit. Yeah. Um, okay. So now the bottom four, so just the teams that we're choosing from Minnesota, New Orleans, Portland, and Denver. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is my biggest upset. My number six defense, I went with Denver. Okay. And I, I say biggest upset because by all the metrics, they are the worst defense out of these nine teams. <laughs> but I'm telling you, these other benches are so much worse. What, so, where does, where's Minnesota? I, I will get to them, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> so Denver is 24th in the league in net rating for a bench. Uh -huh. 19th offense, 25th defense. But I look at these names and I'm like, I kind of like these guys like Will Barton, Mason yeah. Plumley, Trey Lyles, Kenneth Reed, Malik Beasley, Emmanuel Moutier, maybe not so much. Juan Hernan Gomez, which I think that one's kind of funny because he is like he I don't know if any player has been hyped up more by the dunked on podcast right. than Juan Hernan Gomez. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't even played consistently on this team since the end of November. Right. Um, and it's not. And at first I was like, well, maybe their bench isn't good because Millsap's been out for so long. But actually, I went back and looked at their net rating when Millsap was there and it was still really bad. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's going on. But I, I look at these players and I say, like, there's a lot of, you know, decent rotation NBA players here. And yeah. that's why I ended up putting them above some of these other teams. They, they could just use like a real backup point guard. Like, yes, definitely. Like a Jameer Nelson would have been. <laughs> like, yeah. Like if you're competing, you know, to be in a playoff spot, Jameer Nelson is obviously helping you a lot more than Richard Jefferson is for this team. It's a, it's a weird, it's a kind of a strange move to me right. to begin the season for them. But they just have too many bigs. Like they just flat out have too many big men. Um, they need to make some trades, but I don't know what you could get out of you know, yeah, a Mason Plumley or yeah, you can't trade him. Darrell yeah, Arthur, or, yeah, or for um, um, I've got just a few minutes, so let's let's fire okay. through the last three. Next one was the Trailblazers. Okay, uh, okay, so the overall they're pretty good. Fifteenth net rating, twenty third offense, fifth defense. They've but since January first, they're twenty fifth in net rating. We're looking at guys like 
Ed Davis, Pat Connaughton, Shabazz Napier, Zach Collins, Evan Turner, Mo Harkless. So the reason why I put them a little bit lower, Zach Collins, Evan Turner, and Mo Harkless are all in the bottom 15% among all NBA players in terms of real plus minus. Wow. Like they're all 400 or lower. So that was them. Okay, next, and this was the hard one. Do I go, like, who has the worst bench, the Pelicans or the Timberwolves? <laughs> so I gave it to the Timberwolves. So I'll talk about the Pelicans first. So the Pelicans wow. are seven. okay, okay. Yeah, I know, but I, I do not like Minnesota's bench. Okay. Uh, okay, so the Pelicans are 17th in net rating, 5th offense, 26th defense. Their most played all bench unit has played eight minutes together. <laughs> so that was funny. Uh, their bench is Darius Miller, Jameer Nelson, Ian Clark, Tony Allen, who's out two to four weeks, and Dante Cunningham. And they're just, oh. they're so thin. I know that sounded terrible. Do you just hate the Timberwolves? This is like no, a... I will, I will convince you. Okay. I need uh, some convincing because that, what you just read to me sounds <laughs> so bad. Okay. It is true that Jameer Nelson and Ian Clark are both like in the bottom 5% of real plus minus. Yeah. But <laughs> last night, you know, what they're doing is they're just not playing their bench. Last night they played an eight man lineup in an overtime win against Boston and Darius Miller played 18 minutes. Dante Cunningham played 19 minutes and Ian Clark played 32 minutes. So they just like don't even really use their bench. Right. But not as much as the Timberwolves. Okay. Timberwolves, their bench 23rd overall net rating seventh offense, but 30th defense. So last ranked defense. Mm -hmm. Do you remember earlier? I mentioned that the Oklahoma city starting lineup had played 440 minutes together. Yes. So that is the second most minutes played by a starting lineup. Would you like to even guess how many minutes the Minnesota Timberwolves starting lineup has played together? 700? 807. Wow. See, I thought 800 and I was like, that sounds way too high. <laughs> OKC is second with 440. Wow. Like they've almost doubled them. And then you look at their most used all bench unit. They played 72 minutes together, which is more than any other team that I looked at. Interesting. Okay, so their bench is Jamal Crawford, mm-hmm. 459th out of 471 in real plus minus, negative okay. 5.9 on the season. <laughs> Gorgie Jang, 401 out of 471, negative 4.5 on the season. Huh. And then their oh, Shabazz Muhammad, 470 out of 471 in the entire league. He is a negative 23.5 in Woo. 264 minutes. Woo. And then their last two, okay, Tyus Jones is pretty good. I yeah. like Tyus Jones. Yeah, like He's that. a plus 10.5. Outside of the Warriors, he actually had the best net rating of any bench player that I looked at. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nemanja Bailica, who I think he's fine. Like he's he's like a fine you know, yeah. uh, rotation well, and, player. And Tyus Jones, probably some of that stems from the fact that he played with the starters a lot when Teague was right. out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I ended up putting them below the Pelicans because, wow. yes, they might have more guys, but those guys have been so bad. Yeah. And uh, and I just do not trust them. And especially when you factor in, like, how much the Timberwolves are obviously relying on their starting lineup. Yeah. Like, I was looking at these stats and I was like, Tibbs is trying to tell me that their bench sucks. <laughs> it's a message. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, you know, I, I used to really like Gorgie Jang. And yeah. I, I don't. And they bumped him out for Taj Gibson, which whatever. But I don't know why he can't be decent. Yeah. And, and he has been pretty bad this year. Yeah, that is that is odd. And they have a really big financial commitment to him moving forward, too. 
which yeah is not exciting for T Wolves fans. Yeah, that's interesting. So here's your ranking: uh, Warriors, Spurs, Rockets, Clippers, Thunder at five, Denver six, seven Trailblazers, eight Pelicans, and nine Timberwolves. Yes, I think my only beef would be. I might even put the Rockets one just because I love what Eric Gordon brings off the bench for them when they're fully healthy. Like I just, yeah, I just, I, I guess I maybe value the, you know, six top end guys more than I do like the whole bench because like come playoff time, these teams are going to rely on three, maybe four guys off the bench. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good list. I think that's, it's a really interesting exercise because the thunder, do seem like they have real depth issues and just because they're in the middle of the pack, I think that they still do. Like I, I, they do. And some of it is that I don't think that Billy's done a good job with Alex Abrinas this season. And I don't think he's done a good job with Patterson either. Like, I don't feel like he's used either of them. I also think they've both been struggling with health issues. Um, but if they can both round into form and maybe the Thunder pick up one guy or they get a buyout candidate or somebody, I think that it could really help solidify them moving in, you know, to the postseason, and then they're going to play eight or nine guys too going forward, and it would just be really interesting to see who those guys will be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, follow Alex on Twitter if you're not doing that. I know a lot of you are not, so please do it. He's really funny, really good takes uh, during Thunder games and during the week at Al Baby Cakes on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. Uh, we're getting really close to 300 five-star iTunes reviews, and that would just make us all just feel so good inside if you could do that. So do something nice for us uh, on your app. You just search down to dunk. You can hit five stars. If, you feel, if you're feeling super generous today, you could leave a nice message. Uh, that would just be so great. It would make us feel so happy. So uh, please do that. We hope that you guys have a great Wednesday. Uh, Lakers game tonight. Enjoy that, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. 